Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. Watched a film with the great Hallowell Hobbs. <laughs> Your favorite. You're always talking about Hallowell Hobbs and Johnny Ratzenberger. I got their posters up on our in our bedroom. And of course, when you think of uh, Hallowell Hobbs, he's perhaps best remembered for his star turn in the uh, what year is this movie? <laughs> 1943. 
he's perhaps best remembered by cinephiles for his star turn in the 1943 film Sherlock Holmes Faces Death. What a performance! <laughs> which is what we watched tonight. He played Death, right? I don't even know. I don't even know who this guy is. We, uh, yeah, yeah, no, we it, were just tickled by the name. It was a delightful name. Hollowell Hobbs. And in a movie like this, you have to take pleasure where you can find it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta sift around the the cellar floor for for some for some treasure. No spoilers though. And uh, we should say we're very tired. Uh, in fact, you were tired even before you saw this picture, and you were uh, muttering how you wanted to see a film with. Razzle Bathbone. <laughs> Razzle Bathbone, the hot new bath bomb from Pinkerton Cos- Cosmetics. That's what I said. I said Razzle Bathbone. That kind of gives you a sta- sense of where where our minds are going into this, and and how you know this continued to wear on us. And and like it's, I'll say this going into it. Sherlock Holmes faces death. Should be a. Should be good. Balls to the wall experience. It should be a experience that grabs you by the throat and strangles you to death. It shouldn't be about. It shouldn't be so meh, you know. But then it shouldn't be like perhaps an aging Holmes is forced to confront his own mortality. Oh yeah, as he's keeping bees. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> if you're a fucking nerd, I want. I want some fun <laughs> <You're so> action. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big jock. You're some big jock simpleton. You just want the action. Big jock simpleton? I'm your wife, jock simpleton. <laughs> big jock simpleton. Yeah, I want the action. Yeah, I want, I from a Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce movie, I want big laughs. I want big fights. I want big stupidity. That's what I want. I want Nigel Bruce moving room to room, crashing into things and mumbling. That's what I want. That's what I signed up for. So that's big action for you. Yes. In one of these movies, yes. Listen, if it was some sort of thoughtful adaptation of a Sherlock Holmes story that, you know, had him confronting death, yes, I'm sure that would be lovely, handled by the appropriate people. But guess what, Kevin? In the 1940s, they didn't have those kind of thoughts. They didn't know how to do movies. They were just throwing things at the wall. (laughs) They're just doing whatever. They had a they had a fucking movie where they went to Washington and did a whole eighth grade field trip tour of Washington. That's the you don't want them trying to handle heavy topics. It'll just hurt them. Nigel Bruce could get hurt. You want them to just go and have the fucking time of their lives, and this movie does not do that. But so you would want like kind of a serious. Serious toned film. Does it, Sherlock Holmes faces death. That sounds like he, he's dealing with his own uh, mortality as he's aging. What would be the mystery? It doesn't have not not everything has to be a mystery, Anya. Oh well, that there's where we disagree, I guess. <laughs> well, you surely you'd have to. Yeah, have- I, I remember early on in our relationship, we were discussing like different programs and TV shows, and he said, "You know, I didn't like that." And he said, "You and you know, Kevin." I'm pretty clever. I've been known to how to script doctor and improve things. And anything you discussed, you said, you know, Kevin, the show Friends, it really wasn't good. You know what it needed? Murders. <laughs> Maybe like Ross and Joey could become private detectives. Now that would have been a program, you'd say. I don't, I don't recall this conversation about Friends specifically. 
you, you certainly said it about Gilmore Girls, too. <laughs> okay, I did say it about Gilmore Girls, because, I mean, what was that show even about, guys? Come on. They weren't doing anything. I like shows where people do stuff. By which you mean die. No, I and mean solve murders. Solve... <laughs> solve murders. You know, or, or other assorted crimes. It doesn't have to be murder. White-collar crime's a big issue. Tackle that. Why can't people just live their lives? No that could be entertaining. That no one wants to see that. Come on, bah! Gotta be doing something. It's gotta be an angle, a murder angle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, listen. I hear what you're saying, but I think, I, I, to me, it just that sounds like a whole like depressing two-hour slog. As opposed to this, I I hear you. This is a one-hour slog. This was a one-hour slog. <laughs> But I guess I just like, do I want to like, 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 oh, let's do a movie where like Winnie the Pooh is really sad. It's like, do I want to see that? Is that why I'm going to see a Winnie the Pooh movie? Or am I going to see something like cute and like for kids? Like, now hear me out. What if Winnie the Pooh is sad because Tigger has been murdered (laughs) and he has to solve the crime? (laughs) You'd be first in line waving your dollar bill saying, take my money. Am I wrong? Their tops are made out of rubber. Their bottoms are made out of springs. But that didn't save him when he <laughs> took a head first dive from the sleaziest hotel in Manhattan. <laughs> You'd love that. So a sad Winnie the Pooh would work for you. No. No. Murder. You know what? You know what? Yeah. <laughs> Hundred acre murder. <laughs> the Winnie the Pooh story. Who Who is the murder victim? I don't want to know. I don't want to even want to have this conversation anymore. I'm quickly waking up to how disturbing it is. <laughs> and I want to get out of it quick before it's too late. <laughs> that was like a, nearly a year ago. I know. <laughs> but like, okay. This program is a shocking document <laughs> of your depravity. Oh, but you come out looking great, right? I'm smelling like a rose. You're smelling like a rose. People are cheering you on. You're Mr. Hero, and I'm Big Jock Simpleton. What the <laughs> fuck? I'm saying, let's have a serious drama. He's, oh, I need action. That's what I like. We're talking about a Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce movie. Now, Basil Rathbone's a fine actor. He is a or fine actor. Or as you actor. call him, Razzle. Razzle. Razzle's when he gets crazy. Razzles when he gets drunk at parties. <laughs> no, he, here's the thing. I mean, I just don't. I mean, I think Basil Rathbone could have done a lot with a really good Sherlock Holmes script. I think that's true, but that's certainly not what they were given him <laughs> in this series. The best ones are kind of like fun, zany, and the worst ones are like this and boring, boring and not zany at all. Just kind of dumb. And then like that one, Adventures of Sherlock Holmes was kind of like almost good but not quite so it just seemed really boring (sighs) yeah this one had a bunch of elements of other ones it had a bit of house of fear in it you know and and so like maybe a little bit of scarlet claw but like not as good as either one had an like incongruous patriotic speech at the end oh we love that (laughs) that's a great trend the story ends spoiler alert (laughs) The story does end eventually. Uh, <laughs> and then Watson and uh, Holmes get into a car 
And suddenly music starts playing and Holmes says, you know, Watson, the day's coming when men, what was he saying? Uh, uh, oh, I'll pull it up and read it because it's right here on the Wikipedia page. Do you want me to give the speech? Give the speech. I'll give the speech. This is what I say to Kevin when we're driving around. Stuff like this, basically, it just comes into my mind. There's a new spirit abroad in the land. The old days of grab and greed are on the way out. We're beginning to think of what we owe the other fellow, not just what we're compelled to give him. The time's coming, Watson, when we shan't be able to fill our bellies in comfort while other folks go hungry or sleep in warm beds while others shiver in the cold. When we shan't be able to kneel and thank God for blessings before our shining altars while men anywhere are kneeling in either physical or spiritual subject, subjection. And God willing, we'll live to see that day, Watson. So, stuff I say all the time. So basically, Holmes, I guess, is like a socialist. Yeah, you're always yeah, you're always dealing the socialist rhetoric. Yeah, I'm always. You're a well-known communist. Eugene Debs over here. <laughs> I mean, well, you have done a lot of time in prison. I. It's <laughs> not even funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sound, sounds pretty sounds pretty left-wing, pretty suspect. But he, uh, he go yeah, just gives these spiels. And then the music swells up and the picture ends. And I, and a single. Oh, good night, everybody. A single Give tier. us your five star final take. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm trying, folks. <laughs> a single tear runs down Kevin's cheek. It's so funny when they do this. Uh, to me, I, I think it's a treat because it's so dumb. It's like, I, I, you burst out laughing. Because it's always the same thing. You know, the camera is like far back and it's just these two like old guys in a car driving around and then Holmes is like Watson you know uh, here's what I'm thinking and that and like like isn't that just isn't that what driving around with your butt is like you know one guy's just driving and trying to focus on the road the other guy's haranguing him about some oh well, as Churchill said da, 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 da. and I just I think there's something very delightful about that and you almost expect Holmes at some point or Watson at some point to be like oh okay yeah yeah that's good it must be like a supercut on YouTube just of all these speeches. It's, it's something kind of oddly delightful that that is their signature, ending on the worst possible note with one of your characters basically turning to the camera and be like, so I think we've all learned a bit of a lesson here, folks. And we should add the the speech and the, these morals and meanings he's suddenly spouting off have nothing to do with the story in the movie. And, and the, yeah, basically, it's, like, just last-minute tacked-on nonsense. Just like the one in D.C., the D.C. film, when, at the end, he's like, America, the great land of opportunity, you know, like, like and it's just, it's just, like, kind of be, like, trying to flatter the American audience or something, but it doesn't really have anything, like, we didn't see anything about why America is great in the movie, and the same thing with the Canadian one, Scarlet Claw, where he's like, Canada, the great north. And it's like, again, we haven't really seen, all we've seen about Canada and America is like, like in England, people get murdered here and I have to deal with it. We haven't seen like the Canadian spirit or the American spirit coming through and helping out. Just like, you know, it, just like. You, it, well, maybe he's like you and he can't have a good time unless there is a murder. So there's a murder. That sounds kind of wrong. <laughs> I can't have a good time unless there's a murder. Now no one's gonna gonna want to hang out with me anymore. So thanks. The, the, no joke. There was like a police standoff on our street. Oh yeah. 
And you had nothing to do with that, of no, course. No, nothing. No one can prove a goddamn thing. And if you have any questions, talk to my lawyer. <laughs> We've been through a hard time, folks. <laughs> but yeah, there actually was a police stand. And we're very tired as a result. <laughs> but things are great. Things are great at Mystery to Me Studios. <laughs> <laughs> no lasting damage. Uh... Other than the fact that we had to watch this movie. <laughs> Our plan was last night, we were going to watch this classic film, The Maltese Falcon. And then Falcon? Have a... What are you? <laughs> Can't even say it right. We're going to watch this classic film, and they have a very respectful, serious discussion about it for our special anniversary oh, program. Kevin, how did you like The Falcon? <laughs> what did you think of and The Falcon? And then instead... There's a police standoff. We're not allowed to return to our home. Kevin and we're so is tired. off in handcuffs. And Anya is reduced to making fun of my pronunciations. The Falcon. <laughs> and we watched this shitty movie. I really thought the Falcon sword in this film, in this classic film. Kevin, what's your favorite bird of prey? Perhaps a hawk? <laughs> oh, not an owl. I know an owl's your favorite bird of prey. Not the king of the night, the great horned owl. <laughs> what's wrong with you? I, I don't know. <laughs> of course, your favorite birds are birds that kill and commit murders. That's not my, I, my favorite birds are penguins. So unless you count eating krill and fish as murder, which I, I think, guess I think if you're you, you not a pescatarian, do. then I guess yeah. you would. But, you know, they're they're not murderous animals. They're just trying their fucking best. <laughs> so what would penguin noir be like? Oh, well, they kind of look like some of them were like, I mean, oh, some of them, the emperors and the kings, penguins look like they're wearing little suits when they're adults. So, they, you know, they kind of would fit into a noir. Like they were at a nightclub or something? Yeah, like they own a sleazy nightclub up, you know. <laughs> the iceberg. <laughs> what would be, like, the, the, the performers at the uh, I, iceberg? I don't want to know. I, why, why would I, I, I want to know that? <laughs> why wouldn't you? I, 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 would it be, like, a rock hopper doing, like, Doing like a song? A rock hopper? It's a type of penguin, you dolt. <laughs> and it's a very fancy looking penguin, I might add. These penguins, the, the, the king and emperor and rock hoppers don't live in the same area as far as I know. Maybe I'm wrong. Who the fuck knows? I, I used to know a lot about this when I was a kid. It was one of my childhood obsessions. This is a rock hopper. It's gonna blow your goddamn mind. <laughs> it's not what you think. Not what you expect. Was like a very lovely bird. Yeah, they got a big, uh, big like feather, yellow feathers on their heads. It, it's an extreme look. Very chic. But yeah, maybe he sings. Maybe he sings "Smoke Dreams" from Thin Man Two, my favorite song. <laughs> Smoke dreams. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of a throwback for you folks. <laughs> In case you're one of the insane people who stuck around for all those episodes. 
Um, yeah, sh- well, let's get into this plot. <laughs> <laughs> We're very sleep deprived right now. Sorry. We're just going to start using that as an excuse for all our shitty content. <laughs> It's a pretty good excuse that there was like a police standoff. We come home this morning. We're finally allowed to return to our home. There's like uh, gun shells like littering our yard, by which I mean we found one. Penguins and falcons roosting all over the place. Lanny set up a nightclub where where someone was performing smoke dreams. Just just a nightmare our our poor neighbor they took down his fence so they could drive a fun little swat vehicle all through his backyard a fun little swat vehicle oh doesn't it look fun those little like swat vehicles oh little swat i i i i I don't know (laughs) little swat vehicle but yeah we had to we had to stay not in our house last night, so we didn't get very good sleep. And um, it feels like it feels like it's been two weeks since two days ago. <laughs> just always, you know, just always be prepared, folks. That if you live on a cul-de-sac or whatever, you know, sometimes you might not get home. <laughs> That's the lesson. You never know which of your neighbors might be the crazy one. No. You know, we didn't guess it either. We didn't guess it. We didn't know. We didn't know the extent of it. <laughs> of the insanity. Indiana, though. I mean, talk about... Do you think people thought we were the crazy neighbors? Yeah, probably. People were probably like, those fucking weirdos? You know they were plotting something. Yeah, I think people probably pegged us as the people who, who were, you know, barricaded in our house. It's it's one of those things, though. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Which brings us to <laughs> this movie. He's like a very serious, staring off in the distance, razzle bathbone style. <laughs> oh. You know, Kevin, you never know what might happen in this great country of ours, of America. A person you look at, you may never be able to really judge him, all that he may be able to accomplish in this crazy workaday world. As my old friend Razzle Bathbone used to say, America's pretty great. <laughs> Land of opportunity. Winston Churchill. <laughs> Do you think I'm going to ask an offensive question? Because I was kind of like me rambling on about something that I only have a, a small grasp on while you while you drive. That sounds That sounds sort of like our dynamic, but... I mean, otherwise, I don't think we fall into the Bruce Rathbone dichotomy at all. Is that fair to say? Except I do tend to wander around in dark rooms muttering. Yeah. Threatening to shoot anything that moves. Yeah. That's that's where I'm more of a Bruce than a Rathbone. And I'm more like, I don't make the speeches. The endless speeches that go nowhere. (laughs) But seem to last forever. That's someone else's department. But I, I think I have the quiet dignity of a Rathbone. Oh, oh! <laughs> well, you're more like the bubbling of a Bruce. <laughs> yes, you have the quiet dignity of a, a Rathbone. Or, or if you had to compare it to the to an animal, maybe a falcon. <laughs> 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 
god. Okay, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about this film. The movie opens at a bar. What is the name of this bar? The Raven and the Rat. Or, or the Rat and the Raven? I I think it was the Rat and the Raven. Sorry. Gave the the Rat got top billing. Maybe I think it's Apple Make the Order. Maybe it was like a Steve McQueen uh what uh, Paul Newman situation from Towering Inferno where they had to tilt the the fonts so that you know the, they both got equal equal share. <laughs> I thought dispute. you were going to say it was a Steve McQueen Paul Newman buddy picture. <laughs> the Rat and the Raven. <laughs> Two wacky tough guys. <laughs> One's kind of a schemer. Yeah, I watched this. Never know which side of the law he's going to end up on and the other one has uh has more dignity and he's class. More, he's like an art thief. The Raven's an art thief. Steals artwork. And the rat is his man on the inside. Yeah, he's 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 gonna he's kind of more uses his fits, but he's smart too. He's got street smarts. He didn't learn any fancy things from a book. <laughs> no, that sounds great, honestly. Rat and the Raven. But you'd only watch if there was a murder in it. I listen. I just because I said that the Gilmore Girls would benefit from the odd homicide doesn't mean that I myself am a homicidal maniac. I just thought that show was kind of interesting but boring, and I didn't watch the whole thing. And I, you know, because I got bored because nothing was happening and people were just talking. And I, some people like shows like that. That's fine for them. But for me, I'm gonna maybe add some notes and say maybe someone should get murdered so I can be entertained. And isn't that what we really want, right? That for me to be entertained by these shows. See, this show is just talking. Do you think this show would be better if one of us died violently? Wait, oh, you mean our podcast? Yes. <laughs> Jesus, Kevin. <laughs> Why don't you settle down over there? <laughs> this isn't. We're not a. We're not like a show. Show. We're just podcast people playing their cars to you know. I don't know. I don't know why people play. I don't know why people would listen to us because we're just really obnoxious, weird people. But I, we're not like we're not, no <laughs> that's one's our like, marketing brand. No one's sitting down exactly. <laughs> that's what it says in the about us on Facebook. Um, so don't you envision people like having one of those big, oversized, old time radios, calling the kids in, say it's time for mystery to me. Oh, it's like the fireside chat. Well, that's how you imagine yourself, since you think you have the quiet dignity of a falcon or a rathbone. And you imagine just people desperate to avoid conversations on long car rides with their families. They turn us on. I imagine everyone who listens to us, it's either it's either their last show or it's it, it, it's another straw on the camel's back. Like it, it like, like I feel like everyone like, well, why the fuck did I start listening to this? I I, I, I I enjoy Dragnet, figured I'd turn this on, somehow downloaded all the episodes, and now and now here I am, and I'm just fucking done, and they just turn off and delete it off their podcast app. That's, a, that's what I imagine the average listener experience is. I think some of our episodes have gotten, like, negative downloads somehow. <laughs> like Boomtown Season 2, wasn't somehow, it, like, negative 100? Sometimes. Somehow we have to give back downloads from other more successful episodes just to cover our just cover to our, cover losses. our losses on those ones. Bad bet, Boomtown. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Not me. 
I said, Kevin, that's a sure winner. That's going to soar as high as a falcon. <laughs> or a raven. But quoth the raven, nevermore. So this bar actually has a raven in it. <laughs> they were hiding the uh, rat from the local health inspector, apparently, because he does not appear in this movie. And uh, some guy is, like, fucking around with a 1940s jukebox, starts bleeding from the hand, and then the owner's just yammering and yammering and yammering on explaining the local manor to this guy, the Musgrave Manor, which, of course, takes its name from the Musgrave Ritual, which is uh, one of the original. So the manor is named after a Sherlock Holmes story? <laughs> yes, yeah, that That's very meta. <laughs> They're really getting wild here in terms of, it's like a the Sherlock Holmes theme park. <laughs> <laughs> that scene where Basil Rathbone encounters a mascot guy dressed up like Sherlock Holmes was just meta hilariousness. <laughs> and and um and just goes rambling on. I mean like it, this always happens in these movies. And like if you were at a bar or like at any restaurant, any business you know, and some guy just came, yeah, the old Musgrave place, those men have blood on their hands since the days of the nights, and you're, you just get the, like, what the, what are you talking about? You're not talking to me, you, your eyes are glazed over, you're looking off in the middle distance, and you're talking at me about some weird shit, and I just want to go. I mean, I would- No, you, you don't. You would assume you, you, you were if in you, a if you're... man situation at that point. If you're in some small town diner or something- and some old person wanders up next to you and starts telling you some local colorful crime story from the past, giving you all the tea, as the kids say, on the big families in town. You're going to be listening and taking notes. You know, Kevin, just because you enjoy doing that to people doesn't mean that they enjoy having it done to them. I go to diners and talk about you. <laughs> oh, you know... <laughs> On the south side of Indianapolis, there's an old crone who's always yelling at me. And people are just like, sir, please leave if you're not going to buy anything. <laughs> she makes fun of the way I say falcon. <laughs> she likes murders. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they, they're talking about the Musgraves. This is a Sherlock Holmes story, but this movie has nothing to do with that aside from the same name. Um... And we then go to Musgrave Manor. Turns out it's a place that's, it's like a, it's a, it, there's a Musgrave family. They own this big manor and it's being used as a, a hospital for World War II soldiers to sort of recuperate after being injured or traumatized. And the interesting thing is the soldiers who are recovering there are, are they soldiers from the First World War? Because <laughs> they're all very old. <laughs> they, they didn't get around to healing them the first time, so they figured they'd give them a crack at uh, this one. Yeah. They, we talk about the, these men as if they were recently in combat. And they look older than me. And I'm 72. <laughs> it's the... Uh, it's the... Uh, uh, Musgrave home for elderly soldiers slash character actors for the 1940s. It, it it's really odd. I mean, you think you think the the collective age would be younger? 
But, uh, you know, basically, some one of the doctors gets stabbed in the neck. <laughs> That's what happens. And Watson's like, I don't want to accuse any of these vets of doing this, even though I know some of them do have likely PTSD. So I'm, I'm going to just recruit Holmes to figure this out. Before. So he can accuse one of the vets. Or he can, so he, I'm going to put it all on him to accuse one of my patients of uh, being a psycho. And so, you know, and also the clock strikes 13 and everyone's all like noticing it. And it's like, oh my God. I mean, don't you, th- I mean, your parents have a clock in their house. I wouldn't notice if it struck 13. That would go right past my head. I would have no idea that some nefarious shit was afoot. The clock strikes 13, and then one of the characters says to the other, well, you know, the last time that happened, the very next day, your father died. What if it was like, my father's still alive. He's just in a rest home. Oh, oh sorry. I, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Also, maybe get your clocks fixed, or maybe don't have the clock going off like that, if that's a concern. Why would you remember to tell it like that about someone else's father? Their death. Your dad was crazy. Remember that time he got murdered after the clock struck 13? Oh, and that just happened now. Also, if your dad died, or like if your dad died in suspicious circumstances after an odd event like that, and that was noted by everyone, including your household staff, wouldn't you get the fuck out of Dodge at that point? When it's going, when it's chiming again? Like either someone's fucking with you or someone's going to murder you. Just get out. Get an Airbnb. <laughs> so you're answering her everything. Exactly. Spilled some water on the floor the other day. He said, Kevin, let's just get out. Burn it all down. <laughs> then the standoff ensued. <laughs> <laughs> the one nice part of this movie that I kind of liked was when Holmes and Watson reunite and they seem very happy to see each other. And like, I, w- I will say, like, in most of the movies, not all, but most of the movies, I think Rathbone and Bruce, like, have a vibe of, like, liking each other, you know, and, like, ha- being each other's friend. And I think and that's impressive because Bruce is, his character is written as such a bumbling fool in all these. So you, sometimes you're like, why are these people friends? But you do get the sense that they like each other. And I, I, I just, I, I wanted to say at least one positive thing because that's something that this movie made me reflect on. Because it's all going to be negative for you. So one nice shining moment of friendship before we dive into it. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So, old Jeff, I wrote down, I wrote down, I wrote down old Jeff Muscoot, which I meant to say Musgrave, but there was a Muscoot farm near where I grew up and we, that was somewhere we would go on vacation, you know, like class trips a lot. So I always think of Muscoot farm whenever Musgrave stuff comes up. Uh, however infrequently that is. <laughs> but old Jeff Muscoot's dead. He's the oldest brother in the Musgrave family. And uh, he he's seen in the beginning being like, you can't marry that brash American officer to his younger sister, which I guess is, you know, something siblings were deciding for each other in the 40s. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, he's murdered. And uh, basically Watson and Holmes immediately discover his body upon entering the grounds. And Holmes realizes that he was bashed in the head, but what he really died of was, like, a spike in his neck. So, like, yuck. But, uh, yeah. And so now so now it's clearly crazy. You know, some, some, some bad shit is afoot in the Musgrave Manor. It's not just an attempted murder. It's murder now. Right. So this is where we get into the Musgrave ritual. Can you explain what that is? The Musgrave ritual, which I was surprised to see from this shot, is apparently open to all guests that are in the house at this time, is where the head, quote-unquote head of the household, I guess the oldest male sibling or female sibling, if no males are available, um, gets sort of sworn in by their younger sibling reciting a bizarre and nonsensical poem about pages pertaining to different highest you know highest state households killing each other and uh and that's the rich in a dark room while there's thunder outside and everyone looks on awkwardly that's what it is did did your family have something like that yeah i was gonna say when i die are you going to make everybody listen to you recite some endless poem? And it's 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 such a weird poem that it almost sounds like they're just ad-libbing it or it's like some sort of slam poetry thing. And it's like, I guess every family so I can see I could see that happening. I die. And, and you tell, I'm going to have an amazing poem. And then you forget to write it. Oh, and, they, and, they call, and they call you up and you improv something. Well, I'm certainly not going to improv anything right now. Do it. No. We'd love to hear it. No. Put my feet up. Listen to my my oh my, my uh, eulogy. So, soon to be in widow. rhyme. As you said, you are 72, so I gotta I gotta get warmed up. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do any rhymes. This is insane. I just this gives this made me nervous just seeing it. And they're like they're like. Oh, our family dies mysteriously every generation, so, like, maybe stop doing the fucking creepy ritual? <laughs> maybe that's not helping! <laughs> Just be normal! See, I don't even remember. Is this what the ritual was in the story? I truly don't remember. Musgrave Ritual, I think, was one of those later books, right? 
I haven't read all the stories for like but 30 the, years. the only fortunate part of this scene is that lightning bursts in the house and a suit of armor explodes. So, you know, it goes on forever, but there is a there is an ending there. Kevin started to read the summary for the Musgrave ritual, but he stopped because he got bored. That tells you everything you need to know. Also, then, the, I mean, then without much further ado, the uh, the next brother gets murdered in pretty so short order. And and at this point, you start to notice that Holmes seems more tense than in some previous films. In some previous films, he's kind of just like, ha ha, yeah, whatever. And then in other films, he's kind of easily angered by Watson's bumblings. But in this, he's like mad at everybody. He's he's always snapping. He's snapping at people. Like the, the at one point he's talking to the you know the drunk butler that eavesdrops on everyone and the drunk butler is like creaking his chair and he's like stop it you know like it's like whoa, not not, not really the the laid back homes or the uh, eternally pissed at Watson homes but polite to everyone else that we're used to it's it's really more of like a this is getting to him man the movie's so boring it's actually affecting its main character and he's kind of lashing out. Yeah, uh, you know, Lestrade shows up and accuses the American officer that the uh, lady of the house wants to marry of being behind the murders and then is there to uh, pratfall over an ottoman and called undignified by Watson. Always a treat. Because <laughs> Watson, of course, is the very definition of dignity. Uh, people, you know, various servants are caught sneaking around, going through priest holes and, uh, hiding behind changing, like, what would you call that? Dividers? Room dividers? Sure. And, uh, then they have a big dumb chess game because they figure out that the Musgrave ritual must be leading to something, uh, I don't know. But they, 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 like, line up everybody in the movie. Like, the floor of the house resembles, like, a chessboard. So, let's play human chess. This is, there's literally an episode of The Prisoner that is basically all this, which... It, what happens there? Checkmate. What's, what's the point of it? It's, it's all about how some people in the, in the, in the, in the village are, are guardians, and some people are, like, you know, pawns. And so... The, the prisoner number six, played by the unforgettable Patrick McGowan, uh, has to do this human-sized chess game while also sort of trying to forge alliances with other people in the game to see if he can escape. And, you know, and things go from there. Things get weird. Love that show. And I remember being like, that would be fun to play a big chess game. And then I saw this movie and I'm like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> The thought of sitting up on a big chair and directing people where to go, that appeals to me. <laughs> what a shock. You used to be a lifeguard. Yeah. Used to be a li I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, I guess so. So you were in a big chair directing everybody on the beach? They had to bow to your authority? People stopped going to my beach because I would just make them do big chess games. <laughs> Pawn to C3. <laughs> Can we please just play in the water now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I was, I was a very easygoing lifeguard. You were very chill, as the, as the kids say. Yo, you're so hip. I know you would sure you would be too afraid of the power of sitting in the big chair. You would you would turn from it. You couldn't deal. You with think it. I could take it? I think you would overthink it. And then you'd be like, I just feel ridiculous up in this big chair. And that's the thing. You have to, the person who wields the power has to be not afraid of looking ridiculous in the big chair. That's what imbues it with such power. So it didn't bother you to look ridiculous up there. I didn't look ridiculous. I looked powerful. I looked like a queen, as, as, you know, uh, on top of her splendid throne. Splendid wooden throne with a big surfboard underneath it. Did you have like a crown? Obviously. How else is it? How, how else are you going to be taken seriously at the beach? So like a scepter and like a big yeah. royal robe? Obviously. Well, no, not a robe because I would, you know, that, that would drag you down if you needed to get in the water. So how many lives do you think you saved? Oh, countless. <laughs> I didn't save a single life. <laughs> I killed several people though. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I I never had. I never did any rescues. No, that's I, I. I when I was teaching swim class, kids are either in the really scared of. No, I mean kids are like either nervous with the water, uh, scared of the water. Or they're, they want to drown themselves, sacrifice themselves to the drowned god. And, you know, so you have to save those kids. But they don't so care. So some, some of the kids are suicidal? Basically. When it comes to water, yeah. How did this manifest itself? I remember this one little boy who was very cute, but he, he was like three. And he would just throw himself in the pool and sink to the bottom. <laughs> like he didn't know how to swim, but he just really wanted to be in the water. So, you know, you kind of just have to pick him up and be like, okay, just... Just chill. <laughs> Another kids, if you know, they got splashed, they'd be crying. You know, so it was a whole range of of human behaviors that you see when teaching swim lessons. But you know, you just have, you just have to be you know encouraging and not push anyone too hard, but encourage them to you know put your face in the water. And for the people who are trying to drown themselves, you have to say, well, maybe just you know hold on to the wall and be safe. But yeah, kids, kids are yeah. Some kids are not very risk averse to a, to a crazy degree. So you did save some lives. But those were like everyone would be have eyes on those kids, you know, and like it wasn't like there was a drowning situation. It was more of like you just if you're teaching a class, it's a small class, so you're just, you know, someone falls, you know, someone jumps in the water, then you're kind of just watching them. And you, you know, you get them if they're in the in they're in the little kids class. That's totally different. That's nothing like beach lifeguarding. That's the real empire. <laughs> what are we talking about? I, I don't know. I'm know. so tired. <laughs> Did you ever save anyone as a pizza delivery driver? <laughs> I saw some stuff that's probably not fit to be discussed. I never <laughs> saved a life. Were you in? Were you in a porn, Kevin? I saw some stuff. <laughs> Kevin, were you in a porn? <laughs> I was not in a porn. Well, I, I think... <laughs> well, actually, let me clarify that. <laughs> there there was one... There were a couple of instances. There was one instance where I think... I wasn't on camera, but I think somebody had his own little fantasy that involved 
the arrival of a pizza delivery person. Your starring performance. I wasn't the star. <laughs> God. So you were in a porn. Somebody had a sexual fantasy. I, I, it's, just, it's just, it's just, <laughs> this particular anecdote I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, somebody calls and orders a pizza and I deliver the pizza and the, the man is sitting in the front room of his house in front of a very large picture window. And this is night, and all the lights in the front of the house are on. So he can be, be very clearly seen. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> and he was watching a television movie. The volume was turned loud enough that I could tell as I was going up there, what the movie was. It was a, a movie about the adventures of some cheerleaders. Oh, my God. And he was uh, naked from the waist down. Could you see everything? Yes. What the fuck? That's so creepy. And he was, he was pleasuring himself. And what did you do? I... I Gave him his pizza, and he 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 pr pretended to be like a little embarrassed, but he also said, "Oh, I thought uh, I thought Michelle delivered the pizzas." So I th so I think he had his own little porn thing in mind that he wanted to display himself for Michelle. Who's Michelle? She was just another pizza delivery driver. Oh, not not so a real creepy. name. Creepy. Oh my god, that like makes my skin crawl. That's awful. Yeah. Fucking people are just fucking fucked up. There are other times you, you'd like deliver pizzas to like a hotel room and there's like naked people or people obviously have just been having sex and it was an awful job. Not that I, no, none of our listeners would ever do something like that. But guys, everyone just get your shit together. Come on. What the fuck? Worst thing that happened to me as a lifeguard is that on my second day on duty, I got into the work, which was a beach, and I looked up on my lifeguard stand, which was sort of like a wooden platform with a wooden chair built in. Someone had smeared feces all over it. No idea. So I was kind of like, huh, well, that's fucked. And I called my boss, and there was a whole thing. And I don't even remember what happened, but I just remember being like, huh, that sucks. You're quite the raconteur. I do. I, what do you say to that? It's just life's fucked up sometimes. It really creeped me out. I was like, oh man, is this like, is this like some beach stalker is going to like kill me or something? You know what I mean? Like he's ramping his way up, but nothing ever happened. So it was all right. So it would be the next step after feces. Maybe if you were. like dead animals or something. I don't know. But I, I'm like, did I, I'm like, I didn't make any, I didn't like blow my whistle once on the first day. So I couldn't have like, I didn't kick anyone off the beach who's trying to get revenge or anything. But yeah, it was creepy. It was really creepy. I'm sorry it was to... like someone had deliberately done it all over the stand. It wasn't, it wasn't just like in one place. They put some thought into it. Yes. <laughs> Time to impress a lady. Oh no, Kevin. <laughs> 
I had a crush on you, okay? <laughs> I was trying to get some attention. Kevin, that's not how you win over the ladies. Well, you're not my wife. <laughs> so it worked. Jesus. Traumatizing young people jobs. Always fun. But what's not fun is this movie making us watch Holmes and Watson run around trying to find basically paperwork. They're like, they want to find the poem of the Musgrave ritual. So they're like, where could she have put this file? Where did I put down my paper? And it's like, I go through this every day. I don't need to see, you know, fiction's most beloved detective duo do this, you know. Oh, where did I put my phone bill? Oh, no, I can't find it. I mean, just come on. Give me a break. Um, And, yeah, they, they go into the, they basically figure out, they figure out like it doesn't it doesn't even make any sense cuz they they figure out like one square on the chessboard that they have to go into but it's not like they dig into it they just go into the basement then that hasn't been used in a while i mean they could have just gone into the basement in the first place and figured out you know i think i don't know i wasn't really paying it that much attention <laughs> i shouldn't be critiquing it i shouldn't be nitpicking <laughs> basically they find the old dead they find the old alcoholic butler dead down there and Sherlock says that the old man tried to write his killer's name in the dust and that he's going to leave to go get chemicals in order to treat it and read it. And he also finds this old-timey document, and when everyone's like, what's that? And he's like, it's just an old document. Don't worry about it. No one questions him. So he ostensibly leaves. Uh, Nigel Bruce seemingly gets locked in a room. Typical. Uh, one of the soldiers compares being in the in the in the in the state with orders not to leave as being in a concentration camp or like an internment camp. Like I was like, oh, that's come on, what are we doing here? And uh da da then sudden you know, suddenly uh the young doctor who got his you know, his neck slashed in the beginning, he goes down into the basement and Holmes pops up and is like, Ha ha, I knew it you know, I knew it was you there was nothing written here. I just wanted to see who would come down here, obviously. And then Holmes gives this whole big speech about, like, how, yeah, I went down here alone and then didn't tell anyone and I had a slip past Watson and Watson doesn't know a thing and I'm just down here alone. And <laughs> he's trying to get the guy to uh, attack him, take the gun and confess, which then Dr. Sexton proceeds to do and then starts shooting at Holmes so Holmes dies, and that's the end of the film. <laughs> he did what Moriarty couldn't do, just shot Holmes and was done with it. No, he, he obviously they're blanks, because Sherlock Holmes loaded the gun with blanks. Then Lestrade and Watson march out and uh, arrest this guy, and the whole scheme was basically that this doctor who was working at this hospital is an egomaniac and decide and at some point was like looking for the treasure, I guess, found the treasure and realized that if he married the youngest sister of the Musgrave family and killed her two brothers, then he and the sister would inherit a massive swath of land worth millions of dollars. Because back in the in the medieval times, the king agreed to give the Musgraves this land 
What a plan! What a scheme! I bet that's why you married me, Kevin. Because <laughs> my old crown grant. I mean, a, a, a compelling, a compelling discussion. I'm sure it could be had if people, you know, for people who know about real estate and you know, ancient crown titles, but. We're not those people. We don't care. And it's a stupid motivation. Because also, I, I'll have you note, just, just in case you're confused and thinking that this is a slightly better movie than it is, I don't think there's a scene that Dr. Sexton, the bad guy, and the young Musgrave lady share at all. I, I, I don't think there's a scene where they even, like, he offers her a cigarette. I mean, it, there's nothing. He's not, it's like... You maybe 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 you should have started to get the work on the wooing part of things at some point, or at least laying the groundwork for that, because all she has to do is say, Who the fuck are you? Get out of my face, and then the whole then your whole multiple murder scheme is has come to nothing. Right? Yeah. Are are we are we all together on this? Come on. Yeah, and you, yeah, you're right. Ah! <laughs> It was just really stupid motivation. And then, uh, and also he made himself very suspicious. The other two guys got, you know, the other three guys got murdered pretty, in pretty short order. He only got slashed in the neck. You always got to, you know, you got to wonder about someone who, you know, could have potentially self-injured and, you know, survived the attack where others didn't. And he also was the coroner on these two cases and he failed to see that they died because they were stabbed with like, little needle things. So, suspicious. So, um... And I just was wondering... Kevin, can you imagine if the police ever did this in real life? <laughs> Got their top detective to be like, yes, you know, like, I, I, I figured it out, and I know it's you, but I'm out here alone, and oh, no, no, you have my gun, and this blank... <laughs> Isn't that what happened in our street last night? <laughs> what the whole shootout was about? Yeah. No, I mean, like, would that, I wonder, if, would that hold up in court in real life? Probably not. If you Mirandize them? So, yeah, I, I have this gun on you. It'd be a shame if you took this gun from me <laughs> and threatened to kill me. But, of course, if you did, you'd still have the right to remain silent. And anything you say could, could be, couldn't, would be used against you in a court of law. And, of course, you'd have the right to an attorney, even if you have a gun on me. I mean, yeah. What a strategy. A winning strategy. And then this is where, this is what prompts the bizarre speech at the end. Basically, Holmes and Watson go to Sally, who's the Musgrave lady, who wants to marry a, an American officer who's recuperating. And they're basically, she's basically like, I never heard of this guy. Fuck him. Like, why would I want to marry him? And then she's like, they're like, well, now you could have millions of dollars because technically this ancient document is going to hold up in modern UK courts, which I don't know. I don't know British law. Maybe it would. I'm not even criticizing that part of it. But, but you know, you'll be basically owner of all this land and farms and factories. And she's basically like, won't I be like kicking a bunch of business owners and people who own their houses and tenants and stuff off the land? And they're like, yeah. And so then she burns the document. 
that's the picture. <laughs> and that's the show, folks. So, uh, five star final. Well, what do you? What is your five star final? Before I do it. Uh, Sherlock Holmes faced death. We faced boredom and despair. <laughs> so who had it worse, really? I'd say that this picture was ritualistically dull. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me that's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on facebook and instagram and you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com we're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s so all of those spell out two as t-o thanks Thanks so so much much for for listening. listening